0: Everyone and welcome to Bookish Babbles, the podcast where we reread our favorite books and chat about them. I'm your host Allison, and without further ado, let's get started. Hello everyone. Whoops wrong page of notes allison good job let's try that again <clears throat> hello everyone and welcome today we are officially kicking off the original percy jackson series uh with the first book the lightning thief dun 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 i don't know why i'm being so dramatic don't mind me um today so we're talking about the first two chapters of the lightning thief today um you know out of all the books Um, I think that will get covered on this series. This one definitely feels um, so far the most nostalgic, um, purely based on just how beat up my original copy is, like uh, probably one of the books I've reread the most amount of times. So a little bit of lore of how I came to be with this book, I don't know guys. Today listen, it was a very Monday Monday today. I'm recording this on a Monday, so I'm all kinds of out of it right now, because it was just a weird day at work. But anyway, um, so I first um heard about Percy Jackson when I was in fifth grade. Um, and by the way, guys, I'm recording in a new setting right now. I did kind of, I did like a test, uh, I did test, so I did, the background noise didn't sound too bad. But um, there is like a stove fire going in the background to keep the place warm. I didn't really hear it when during the test audio that I made but so it shouldn't be too bad but if you do hear it that's what it is. I'm you know figuring it out as I go in this new place but whatever. Anyway so I first heard about uh, Percy Jackson when I was in fifth grade like I said. uh, We were doing a book report project thing. Uh, Basically we had to read a book and then present it as if we were going to make uh, a movie adaptation out of it like You know, we're going to make a movie poster, pick actors who we would want to play the characters. And uh, for the life of me, I can't remember which book I did my project on. Maybe if I had to guess, it was an Animal arc book? I don't know. I just remember reading some of those books around that time. But um, anyway, not the point. So one kid, maybe a couple, but at least one kid uh, did their project on The Lightning Thief. And it just really stuck out to me. One, because, you know, the title, The Lightning Thief, is intriguing because... 11 year old me was like how the heck do you steal lightning and uh you know because the year before my fourth grade teacher had read us some greek myths and i couldn't stop thinking about the stories uh particularly you know the hades and persephone story i don't know why but for some reason that story altered my brain chemistry in a way no other greek myth did um so the idea of a story about a modern day kid like me interacting with these you know ancient primordial deities it was was just you know really appealing and I left class that day thought about it and I did and so of course I forgot about it for an entire year (laughs) um whoops so not an exciting start more like an important prologue um also, side note, uh, one of the boys had, uh, in his project, had casted Anna Sophia Robb as Annabeth. And if you don't know who that is, um, she played Leslie, the main girl in Bridge to Terabithia. And this was also the year we read that book in class. So it makes sense for the kid to cast her in this, in his, you know, project. And, and, you know, what a book to traumatize a bunch of 10 and 11 year olds with. Maybe I'll talk about that book one day on this podcast because, you know, despite all the emotional trauma, <laughs> I adore that book, which might explain why I keep reading books that hurt me. Anyway, um, so if you were, you know, emotionally stable as a child because your elementary school teacher did not make you read that book and you somehow avoided the movie, um, Ana Sophia Robb was also in, um, Brace to Witch Mountain with, you know, The Rock, um she was the main character in soul surfer she was she was an american girl she was samantha and um she was also um what's that show uh the one that dramatized uh gypsy rose's life oh the act that came out a while back so she's been in more stuff and realizing she was part of huge part, part of my childhood she started because of winn dixie which funny enough was another book i had to read for school uh anyway all this to say she is who i've been picturing as annabeth for my entire life so because of some random kid in my first grade class anytime i see anna Sophia rob no matter what role she's playing my mind goes annabeth despite the fact she's never played the character um but also shout out to leah uh because she is crushing it as annabeth in the tv show i could not be more thrilled guys it's so it's so cheesy but i feel like a proud older sister um but anyway tangent going on for way too long we'll be here all night at this rate um so yeah um heard about the book thought it was cool didn't do anything about it um until a year later when the first of the two horrible peter johnson movies came out and you cursed the fandom for years um i think i saw the trailer and you know didn't really pay attention i realized it was based off you know the book about greek gods that i thought was cool so i finally decided to read the book um read it for the first time when I was on vacation with my family all the back in all the way back in February 2010 holy shit it's been over 10 years try not to think too hard about that um but anyway um so in my school district you know we would have a week off from school in February and during that time my grandparents used to always go down to Florida for a few months after Christmas they'd rent a condo so during that week we would always go down to visit them um, so that year during said trip, I remember being out shopping with my mom at Walmart, uh, probably to get beach toys or something for Brady. Cause we were right by the beach. He was two at the time, which I think was also the same year he walked into a glass door. So that, that memory is now recorded for all time. Um, but anyway, so we were at Walmart and I saw the book, begged my mom to buy it for me. Actually, back then I didn't really have to beg. uh, Because this was back when I just finished reading Harry Potter for the first time. was getting into books. And, you know, before it became a slight problem. So my mom had no problem buying me books that I wanted. And, guys, I have the movie tie-in edition. (laughs) Uh, You know, I hate the movie. But I have a soft spot for that copy of The Lightning Thief. Because, you know, that's what started it all for me. And I don't know why, but the cover they use... Um, it does not look like Logan Lerman from the angle, but whatever. Um, so yeah, started reading the book in Florida and then like a week later after we got home, my dad took me to see the movie in theaters, you know, hated the movie, but I've been hooked on the book ever since. And, you know, that was my lengthy explanation of the series of events that got me to read The Lightning Thief for the first time. Um, so anyway, let's talk about the actual book, I guess, you know, the reason we're here. Um, so The Lightning Thief uh was first published on June twenty eighth, two thousand five, and I just love the whole reason that this whole gigantic big thing started. So uh many of us in the fandom already know, but in case you don't, I'm gonna tell you again. So Rick Riordan, who is the author, duh, um so he has a son, Haley, named Haley, um, who has both dyslexia and ADHD, so you know he was kind of struggling with school most subjects he didn't find interesting enough to hold his hold his attention except he loved greek mythology so like a good dad rick um read every greek myth he could and when they ran out of myths to read haley told rick to start making his own up cuz he's like hey dad you're a writer so rick came up with percy jackson a demigod kid like his own son who has dyslexia and adhd and you know, no, no book, no series is perfect. Every book has its flaws. Every author is flawed and not a perfect human being, as you know, most people are. You know, people make mistakes. We say cringy things, um, some worse than others. Um, no book or series is above criticism. But, I don't know, just knowing that the original intention behind Percy Jackson was a father writing a story for his son to, you know, make his son feel seen, that is so freaking beautiful. Like at that point in my life, I had no idea what dyslexia was. I never heard of ADHD. So that kind of represent, representation, you know, it helped educate kids like me and it also is so incredibly validating for kids who have ADHD or dyslexia. Like I can imagine that Percy Jackson uh like was the first time for that, you know, kids like that saw parts of themselves represented like that, because I can't think of any other uh, books, especially, you know, big middle grade books that were out at that time that had that. And, and from there, you know, the representation gets more diverse. And I just think it's amazing that so many kids of all different backgrounds can find themselves in these books, there's someone they can relate to, and it really drives home the message that anyone can be a hero. So yeah, Despite the faults, I love these books so much. They come from a place of love, as cheesy as it sounds. Anyway, I've been rambling too long. Um, Let's dive into chapter one. Also, I have to mention the dedication at the beginning of this book um, to Haley, who heard the story first. So so cute um anyway so we open with the very memorable chapter title i accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher you know what a way to grab a kid's attention because uh what kid hasn't fantasized about getting rid of their math teacher somehow though in all seriousness though shout out to all the teachers out there especially math teachers i could never do what you do And I apologize to all the math teachers that had to put up with me growing up. Anyway, um, so we've all heard this opening a million times, but I I have to read it. It's, it's too iconic. I do a terrible Percy voice, but whatever. Look, I didn't want to be a half-blood. If you're reading this because you think you might be one, my advice is close this book right now. Believe whatever lie your mom or dad told you about your birth and try to lead a normal life. Being a half-blood is dangerous. It's scary. Most of the time, it gets you killed in painful, nasty ways. If you're a normal kid reading this because you think it's fiction, great, read on. I envy you for being able to believe that none of this ever happened. But if you recognize yourself in these pages, if you feel something stirring inside, stop reading immediately. You might be one of us. And once you know that, it's only a matter of time before they sent it to. They'll come for you. Don't say I didn't warn you. Boom! Again, perfect way to get um a kid to read this book. You know, by quite literally having your main character telling us, the reader, hey, don't read this book. It may be a bad idea for you. Because everyone knows as soon as you tell a kid not to do something, they're going to do it. Um, it's, it's like when adults ban a book and suddenly every kid wants to read it because, you know, they want to see what the adults don't want them to read um honestly they'll have better luck um getting kids you know not to read said book if they just didn't say anything at all you know make the kids think you don't care but that's not what we're talking about right now um anyway um it's also a wonderful way to make us feel like we're part of the story by just scaring us a little and right from page one percy is telling us you don't want to be a demigod it sucks um Potentially getting cool powers isn't enough to make up for it because, but you know, none of us listened <laughs> and we continue not to listen because, you know, there are days where I feel like I would rather want to fight a dragon than file my taxes, guys, because no matter the res- the results, the fight with the dragon will be over relatively quickly. I'm stuck paying taxes for the rest of my life. Anyway, um, after getting the warning that we all ignore from the narrator, uh, we're officially introduced to 12-year-old Percy Jackson. He is a troubled kid who goes to Yancey Academy in upstate New York. And Percy almost immediately identifies himself as a trouble as a troubled kid. And as the story progresses, we understand more why. But um, he tells us uh, that things really start going bad in 6th grade um, in May on the field trip to the Metropolitan Museum of Art specifically to look at ancient Greek and Roman stuff led by their Latin teacher, Mr. Brunner. And he's also Percy's favorite teacher, so he's hoping that it's a sign that the field trip won't be a disaster like others in the past. Because apparently on other trips um, in, in the different schools, Percy accidentally did things like, you know, fire cannon on the school bus. <laughs> and there's another time where Percy hit the wrong lever while he and his fourth grade class were on a catwalk and they all took, um, an unplanned swim in one of the tanks, you know, like you do. Um, and you know, well, and little does Percy know that despite his best efforts, this trip will make all the others look like a walk in the park. Um, cause even on just, you know, a, even just on the bus ride over, Nancy Boba Fett isn't making it easy for Percy And she's throwing chunks of peanut butter and ketchup sandwich at Percy's best friend, Grover. I mean, first of all, peanut butter and ketchup does not sound like a good combo. And this is coming from someone who likes to put soy sauce on her mac and cheese. Second, girl, why are you wasting your lunch like that? Come on, Nancy. Also, I'm... I don't know, it's it's interesting how we all remember Nancy so clearly, because... She quite literally is a one-off bully character who only ever makes an appearance in this one chapter. (laughs) Like, she's mentioned maybe one or two other times, but like, this is like her official moment where she's like actively doing things. Um, But she does serve an important role because through her, we're able to see from the get go, Percy hates bullies and he is ready to throw hands the second anyone threatens someone he cares about, which, you know. May or may not develop into a flaw later on, because mm-hmm. um, after Grover dodges one too many pieces of her lunch, um, at him, like Percy is up and ready to fight her. The only reason he doesn't is because Grover is there to stop him and remind Percy that you know he's on probation. He'll be blamed if blamed if anything happens. So best to just let it go. And also, this is the moment where we get like officially introduced to Grover, the second member of our golden trio. Um No, I'm realizing that at least in the first book kind of look, um I don't think Rick had a real grasp on Grover's character because Grover does have depth throughout the book, but he's very much the comedic best friend sidekick that we saw a lot of in, you know, like early 2000s movies. Um And Percy introduces him as, quote, an easy target. He was scrawny. He cried when he got frustrated. Unquote. Like, it isn't until later that Grover's character gets really good. And I think a huge advantage of the show is because they already know where they want the character to go. But, I love show Grover. Actually, I just love Grover in general. He is criminally underrated. Uh, Which is why I'm so glad are these new books coming out like chalice of the gods where we do get aven- classic adventures with percy annabeth and grover because we're reminded of how great grover is um anyway in the book um percy also describes grover as being the only sixth grader who has acne which i deeply resent because i started getting acne in like fifth grade and it still hasn't cleared one summer i had a big zit on my nose that my friend teased me about and called me rudolph until it was gone. Maybe this is why I still get ID'd at bars, because I still have acne like I'm in freaking high school. Um, anyway, so, to top it all off, um, Grover also has crutches because he has, quote, some kind of muscular disease in his leg. First clue that it's a cover story. Um, especially since, you know, he could move very quickly to get to the lunchroom for enchilada day, which, can't blame him for, enchiladas are delicious. Um... Anyway, so we're still in these first few pages. We gotta keep moving. We're gonna be here forever. Um, So they get to the museum, and Mr. Brunner leads the tour on his wheelchair. No real reason to mention he's in a wheelchair, other than it's an important detail to remember for later. Um, So Mr. Brunner takes the kids to the museum, where there are, you know, ancient Greek stuff, statues, pottery, etc. And... I like this quote here, um, where Percy says, it blew my mind that this stuff has survived for 2,000, 3,000 years, which he's right. It's insane. Things can survive that long. Um, and I'm probably reading too much into this, but is he, is this planting a seed, um, for Persever? (laughs) Because, you know, Percy has enough appreciation for, you know, art and architecture, um, to listen to Annabeth talk about it for hours in the future. I love Percy Beth, sorry, not sorry. Anyway, um, Percy is trying to listen to Mr. Brunner, you know, talk about a grave marker um, called a steely, I think that's how you say it for a young girl. Um, but everyone around him keeps talking, it's distracting, and he can't tell them to shut up without Mrs. Dodds giving him the evil eye. Uh, Mrs. Dodds being their math teacher. And in case you couldn't tell by the chapter title, she gonna be a slight problem. So eventually Percy does snap at Nancy and you know tells her to shut to shut up. Um comes out louder than he expected and now he has the whole class's attention. And uh Mr. Brunner does the classic teacher thing where he says like, you know, got something to say Mr. Jackson and Percy says, "No," completely mortified, and then Mr. Brunner asks Percy a question in front of the class and this is why you have to pay attention in class, kids, or at least good at Get good at pretending to pay attention, so you don't get called out in class um so anyway, uh Mr. Brenner asked Percy to describe what's going on in one of the pictures, and lucky for Percy, it's from a, a story that he's familiar with, and it's Kronos eating his kids, so you know uh Kronos, King of the Titans. Here's some kind of prophecy that, oh my gosh, if I have kids, they're gonna overthrow me one day like I did for, to my daddy, Uranus. I, I don't know why I suddenly started talking like that, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, So, uh, because the kids are not are immortal, and Cronus has the brilliant idea to eat his kids so they can't grow up and be powerful. So they're immortal and stuck in his stomach, just growing up like you do. Except, there was one baby he didn't get and said he swallowed a rock, because his wife uh tricked him and was like hey here's this rock oh no but that was actually my youngest son baby zeus and when baby zeus grows up he ma- he makes his dad throw his siblings up so they can be like yay let's overthrow the titans because fuck you dad for eating us <laughs> there was a lot less swearing when percy tells the story guys um and also spoiler alert um But this book is going to spend a lot of time trying to convince us that Hades is the villain of the story. I don't know why I keep forgetting to mention spoilers because this is a reread podcast for goodness sake. Um, But yeah, only to find out that Kronos is actually, you know, the real bad guy. And right here in chapter one, we get introduced to the big bad of the series. We just don't know it yet. It's almost as if Rick knows what he's doing as a writer sometimes, guys. Um... And after some side comments from Nancy, Mr. Brunner then asked Percy why knowing Greek myths are so important for him. Percy naturally can't answer that question. And it's lunchtime. And as everyone is, leave- is leaving, uh, Mr. Brunner does hold Percy back. And I just want to read the conversation that they have. It's on page seven, at least in my edition. So it starts with Mr. Brunner saying, um, You must learn the answer to my question, Mr. Brunner told me. About the Titans? About real life and how your studies apply to it. Oh. What you learn from me, he said, is vitally important. I expect you to treat it as such. I will accept only the best from you, Percy Jackson. I wanted to get angry. This guy pushed me so hard. I mean, sure, it was kind of cool on tournament days when he dressed up in a suit of Roman armor and shouted, what ho, and challenged us pointing, challenged us sword point against chalk to run to the board and name every Greek and Roman person who had ever lived and their mother and what God they worshipped. But Mr. Brenner expected me to be as good as everybody else, despite the fact that I have dyslexia and attention deficit disorder, and I, and I had never made above a C minus in my life. No, he didn't didn't expect me to be as good, he expected me to be better, and I just couldn't learn all those names and facts, much less spell them correctly. I mumbled something about trying harder, Well, Mr. Brunner took one long, sad look at the steely, like he'd been at this girl's funeral. He told me to go outside and eat my lunch. I mean, little did Percy know, he probably was at her funeral. Okay, so class is eating outside on the museum front steps along 5th Avenue. Uh Percy notes, you know, all the storm clouds overhead and how the weather has been weird since Christmas. Sure, it's not important or anything. Um Nancy's trying to pickpocket a lady, probably because she's bored and hungry since she wasted a good chunk of her lunch after throwing it at Grover. Now uh, speaking of which, uh Percy And Grover are sitting by the fountain, away from everyone, trying to act like, you know, they don't know those kids from Yancey. We're not from that school. Um, And Percy thinks about his mom, how much he misses her, and how their apartment isn't too far from where they currently are. And then, shortly after that, Nancy gets bored from trying to steal from strangers, because she's back to bother Percy and Grover. And apparently she didn't waste her whole lunch on the bus, only half of it, because she dumps the other half on Grover. Again, why is she wasting her own lunch? Anyway, um, Percy understandably loses his temper, and he doesn't quite remember what happens next, but all he knows is that suddenly Nancy's in the fountain, which, you know, she deserved, and... Of course, like any bully, when they finally get um, the comeuppance they deserve, uh, they lash out, whine, play victim, all that fun stuff, and Mrs. Dots is right there to enable that behavior and also do worse. Um, She tells Percy to come with her, and Grover almost immediately jumps and tries to cover for Percy, much to his surprise, um, because, you know... Um, per- Grover's terrified of of Dodds, but he's co- immediately covering for Percy, saying he's the one who pushed Nancy into the fountain. But of course, Mrs. Dodds doesn't buy it for a second. Unfortunately, good try, Grover. And oh, hi, Ray. Sorry, guys, my dog. You want to come up? Don't come up. want to come up. Come on. Come on. Don't come up and cuddle. Come on. Good girl. Yeah, you get comfy. Anyway, uh, where was I? She's laying on the pillow. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Grover, um, he's kind of the character that has to, you know, learn to be more brave or whatever, gain more confidence. Actually, no, his arc is more about gaining confidence in himself because he is brave from the beginning. Like, again, he's terrified of dots and he knows what she is or... Probably at least has some clue, even if he doesn't know exactly who she is. And But he's willing to sacrifice himself for Percy. Ray, no. Do not, do not chew on that. Sorry. I get... I get the bumblebee pillow pet. Anyway, um... Eventually I'll remember where I was. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, Grover's already brave. He's willing to sacrifice himself for Percy. Um even if part of it is because, you know, he's scared, he doesn't want to repeat history, because, you know, Thalia, but he's still brave, and I love Grover. So Mrs. Dodds, you know, takes Percy away from the rest of the group, which, you know, isn't unheard of if a teacher wants to reprimand a student away from the group, but what is a- concerning is how far she leads him away, which, I mean, done, in a minute we'll see, she's a monster, but, yeah, you know, teacher leading a student that far from the rest of the group suspicious in any circumstances so anyway uh, Dodds leads Percy back to the Greek and Roman section and alarm bells are rightfully going off in Percy's head. Um, Dots starts taunting Percy about something that he doesn't understand so he's hella confused and she tells him like hey if you confess you'll suffer less pain. Percy again clueless is just wondering what the fuck is going on Um, he thinks he's getting in trouble for something like, you know, selling candy out of his dorm room. Uh, but no, his teacher turns into a monster and Percy describes her as, quote, she was a shriveled hag with bat wings and claws and a mouthful of yellow fangs. And just when Dodds is about to attack, Mr. Brunner is suddenly in the doorway, throws a pen at Percy, shouting, you know, what ho Percy, like he does in class. And when Percy catches it, it's no longer a pen. It's a sword. Riptide is here, officially making her debut, even though she hasn't been named yet, but it's Riptide. And Percy does what anyone would do when a giant bat-like monster that used to be your teacher charges at you, and you have a writing utensil now turned sword. You swing the sword. Um, and I guess he hit the right spot uh, in the shoulder because Dot's instantly turns to dust like you know full-on Thanos snap victim and I just find it a little funny because you know uh, we know she's a fury she's supposed to be one of Hades top lieutenants but she's taken out by a shoulder cut but plot needs a plot so we're not dwelling on it Uh, anyway so Percy is now even more confused and is now standing in an empty room with a ballpoint pen in his hand so he walks about back outside, and Nancy says to Percy that she hopes that Mrs. Kerr whipped his butt, which is incredibly surprising because Percy's never heard of a Mrs. Kerr. And Percy asks Grover, "You know, hey, where's Mrs. Dots?" And Grover acts like he doesn't know who that is, but Grover is a terrible, terrible liar, and that is our first big hint that something's up. Uh, let's just read. Let's just read this last page together, guys, because you know it's um. It's something. So, page 14, toward the bottom. Um, I saw Mr. Brunner sitting under his umbrella, reading his book as if he never moved. I went over to him. He looked up, a little distracted. Ah, that would be my pen. Please bring your own writing utensil in the future, Mr. Jackson. I handed Mr. Brunner his pen. I hadn't even realized I was still holding it. "Uh, Sir, I said, where's Mrs. Dodds? He stared at me blankly. Who? The other chaperone, Mrs. Dodds, the, the pre-algebra teacher. He frowned and sat forward, looking mildly concerned. Percy, there is no Mrs. Dodds on this trip. As far as I know, there ha- there has never been a Mrs. Dodds at Yancey Academy. Are you feeling all right? And the gaslighting begins. So, with that, it's break time. Uh, we'll talk to you when we get back and we're back so we are on chapter two which is titled three old ladies knit the socks of death which is both kind of comedic and ominous or as i like to call it the ultimate gaslighting continues um like percy opens the chapter by saying quote i was used to the occasional weird weird experience but usually they were over quickly this 24-7 hallucination was more than I could handle. So yeah, the kid's not doing well. Um, everyone around him, you know, fully believes that Mrs. Kerr has been their math teacher since Christmas. Percy even tries to catch people off guard by making, you know, unexpected, random Mrs. Dodds references. And it doesn't work. At one point, Percy is, like, ready to believe them, except that, he, and except that he's, you know, just the one going crazy. But Grover is a terrible liar. And again, and Percy can see through it. And the rest of the school year, just it just goes really downhill. Percy continues to have nightmares about Mrs. Dots. Uh, the freak weather continues. Again, totally not important at all. And including, you know, a huge um, a hurricane not far from Nancy. Um, Percy's grade slip. Um, he gets into more fights with Nancy and her friends. Um, enough happens where the headmaster makes it official that Percy won't be invited back to Yancy the next year, and the thing that finally, you know, made the decision is is that Percy snapped at his English teacher and called him an old sot. And Percy's kind of fine with this whole thing because because he he's Combsick, but um, there is stuff you would miss about Yancy Academy, particularly you know, Latin class with. Mr. Brunner and he of course with Miss Grover despite the fact that they are gaslighting the hell out of him. Um, So anyway now it's finals week which is rough. I luckily did not have to take finals until high school so one of the nice things my school district did. Um, Anyway so Latin is the one exam Percy tries to study for but he's having trouble so the night before he decides to go see Mr. Brunner maybe get some pointers or at least apologize for you know how poorly he's gonna do on the test and when Percy gets to Mr. Brunner's room he overhears Brunner and Grover talking about him and I'm gonna read their conversation that they have um starts on page 19. Alone this summer Grover was saying I mean a kindly one in the school now that we know for sure and they know too "'We would only make matters worse by rushing him,' Mr. Brunner said. "'We need the boy to mature more. "'But he may not have time. "'The summer solstice deadline will have to be resolved without him, Grover. "'Let him enjoy his ignorance while he can.' "'Sir, he saw her. "'His imagination,' Mr. Brunner insisted. "'The mist over the students and staff will be enough to convince him of that.' "'Sir, I—I can't fail my duties again.' "'Grover's voice was choked with emotion.' You know what that would mean. You haven't failed, Grover, Mr. Brunner said kindly. I should have seen her for what she was. Now, let's just worry about keeping Percy alive until next fall. I mean, yeah, one, this confirms all the gaslight thing that's being done to him. And also, um, is life in danger? Poor kid. Um, so, you know, Percy drops his book in shock, like you do, and freaks out and goes to hide in a closet before he's caught, and he hears the sounds like the clomp clomp sounds like an animal with hooves would make. Which, okay, again, reread podcast. We know Brunner is Chiron. He's a, we know he's a centaur. And Kyron is so lucky Percy did not see him if he wanted to keep up the charade. So, you know, Percy uh, waits in his hiding spot until he's sure that they're gone before going back to his room. Um, same room he shares with Grover, uh, who's just chillin'. Studying his books, acting like everything is fine. And he totally wasn't just talking about Percy to their teacher. Um, so as Percy is leaving his Latin exam um, the next day, Kyron, you know, I'm just calling him Kyron now. Kyron um, tells Percy to stay back a minute and tries to, you know, be encouraging. Tells Percy, you know, not to be discouraged by leaving Yancey. Some bullshit about how it's for the best. Okay, and I know Kyron is trying... Um, to help without, you know, telling Percy too much because, you know, the more a demigod knows, the more monsters they'll attract. But, you know, telling a, a kid that is already emotionally vulnerable that he doesn't belong in front of other kids because there are still other kids taking their exam, by the way, come on, Kyron, you are like 2,000-something years old and you don't realize this isn't the best way to go about this. Ky- Kyron ding is failing to be a good mentor this is a new counter um anyway percy rightfully walks away from the conversation and a few more days pass um at least because you know there's a page break and a slight time jump so Kyron had time to think of something better to say to percy and you know apologize and he just doesn't um so percy you know packs up his stuff on the last day all the other guys in his dorm are talking about All the cool vacations they'll go on over the summer, Percy naturally feels left out because his family can't afford to do anything like that. Um, On the bright side, he and Grover are taking the same Greyhound bus back into the city. And during this time, Percy notices just how nervous Grover is acting. And that's something Grover always did whenever they left campus. He was always super on edge, but... Before Percy just always chalked it up to Grover being worried about bullies, um but none of their usual bullies are around, so what's going on? Um so Percy catches Grover off guard by asking him if he's looking for any kindly ones and he asks about the summer solstice deadline. Grover tries and fails to keep up the gaslighting. And, you know, gives up and gives Percy his business card, which says like, you know, he's a keeper at Camp Half Blood. Um, He doesn't say everything to Percy but he does say that he's Percy's protector and Percy's a little hella confused and that's when the bus breaks down. So they pull over all the passengers wait outside while the bus driver tries to figure out what the fuck is up with the engine and across the street Percy notices that there are three old ladies knitting giant socks that look like they're meant for Bigfoot um, you know, I'm sure they're just random nice old ladies having a grand old time making their giant socks. Just, you know, st- random silly goopy details Rick wanted to throw in. Like he does. I'm sure. And I'm sure that the one with the giant pair of ominous scissors cutting a piece of yarn means absolutely nothing. I'm being 100% sarcastic, guys. We know this is nothing. Fuck. So, you know, those ladies are the fucking Fates and Grover... Wait, Fates fates they're the fates F-A-T. yes i can't talk um so they're the fates and grover is now scared shitless i'm going to read the last page so mm, starting page 27 with grover saying percy what did you see back at the fruit stand you mean the old ladies what is it about them man they're not like mrs dodds are they His expression was hard to read, but I got the feeling that the fruit stand ladies were something much, much worse than Mrs. Dodd's. He said, "'Just tell me what you saw.' The middle one took out her scissors, and she cut the yarn. He closed his eyes and made a gesture with his fingers that might have been crossing himself. But it wasn't. It was something else. Something almost older. He said, "'You saw her sniff the cord?' "'Yeah. So?' But even as I said it, I knew it was a big deal. This is not happening, Grover mumbled. He started chewing at his thumb. I don't want this to be like last time. What last time? Always sixth grade. They never get past six. Grover, I said, because he was really starting to scare me. What are you talking about? Let me walk you home from the bus station. Promise me. This seemed like a strange request to me, but I promised he could. It... Is this like a superstition or something? I asked. No answer. Grover, that sniffing of the yarn—does that mean someone is going to die? He looked at me mournfully, like he was already picking the kinds of flowers I like best on my coffin. And with that morbid ending, uh, that's the end of the ep- That's the end of the chapter and end of the episode. Um. Thank you all for listening. Next time we'll talk about chapters 3 and 4, and I also need to plan out more episodes um after that, but okay, so links uh to socials are of course always in the show notes. If you have any um thoughts on, you know, past things we've discussed or things we'll discuss in the future, feel free to reach out, you know, message, email, um if you like the show, subscribe, review, all that stuff, boost the algorithm. I'm remembering to plug the show for once because that's what I'm supposed to do, remind people to subscribe. Um, but in all seriousness, um, I hope you enjoyed, uh, the episode and I hope everyone has a great day slash night and I will talk to you all next time. Bye!